Hello and welcome to the Social Recruiting Show. I'm Katrina Collier. I'm, of course, author of the Robot Proof Recruiter and I'm a speaker and a facilitator. I am joined by the person trying to make me laugh very hard, actually. He managed it today. The talented talent acquisition professional that is Mr. Glenn Martin. Hello, Glenn. Hola, hola. Very cheeky of you. And today we're super excited to be chatting to recruitment industry guru, Louise Triance. She'll probably go, what at that? But of course, before we welcome Louise, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have our amazing sponsor, Enterprise Alumni. Thank you very much for keeping us here for another week. We're very grateful over there somewhere. It's always the wrong way to what you think. Louise Triance, welcome back, I should Aww. say. Welcome, Louise. Thank you very much. Only took two years to get me back on. Loving the halo. <laughs> hey, some people never come back on. No, that's true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've tried to avoid it, avoid it for long enough, Louise. <laughs> it, was, it was never going to happen, right? You were never going to get away with it. <laughs> I'm happy to be back. Thank you very much well, for having me. It's really, really okay, cool to have you on. Really, really cool. Um, and I think certainly our, our viewing audience, I think – at least 99% plus will know who you are. But for that, those few individuals, maybe like Stephen O'Donnell, who tends to forget, um, <laughs> could, you, uh, could you just kind of give us a, a bit of an idea of how you got into recruitment? So um, more than 30 years ago, I started working. Which is not possible because she's only 32. Uh, isn't that shocking? <laughs> um, yeah, I started working for a recruitment agency. Um, shall I talk you through year by year what I did in my career? Would yes. you like to do yes? Feel free. <laughs> we'll, extend the, we'll extend the show purely for that. Yeah. Um, no, so I started working for a recruitment agency. And then, um, I don't know, 21 years ago, I thought, do you know, I'd rather just engage with recruiters in a kind of slightly different way. So I, I set up what I guess you might call like a sort of online publication for recruiters. And it's become a community and we do events and loads of stuff online. Um, so I'm interested in anything in the recruitment space, whether that be talent acquisition, agency, job seeker experience, all of that shebang. Wicked. Wicked indeed. How's the pandemic treating you then? Because obviously you've run lots of events in person, as we know, like me. Yeah, it's been pretty crappy. Are you doing some online or what's the plan? Yeah, yeah. So luckily I'd already been doing online events. I think that if I hadn't have been doing that, I'd have been stepping into, oh, I'm not in front of the camera. Um, She's just like drifting off. Don't talk about the pandemic. (laughs) um, Yeah, no, I'd have been stepping into quite a uh, tricky marketplace, but I already had a network Mm -hmm. of people and a community of people who knew me for online events. So, yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a funny time, really, because I mm. get um, my business comes from people who sell to recruiters. Now is not yeah. the right time for me to be saying to all these vendors, come and spend some money with me. So mm. yeah. I'm supporting them in different ways. But I do That's see cool. definite definite pickup happening now. There is. News. There yeah. definitely is. And one, as one, long uh, as Boris doesn't eat yeah. up. One, one positive out of kind of COVID and lockdown was working lunch, right? Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. great. Exactly. That that was it. And Katrina was there right from the very, very start. Um, and Debbie and Stephen and Claire. Mm. Um, and the idea behind Debbie, that, who's excited. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Debbie. Um, the idea behind that, work, I guess, was that there was loads of people suddenly at home um, who were not working, working. Um, and it was kind mm. of a way to connect them. And anybody who wanted to be on a show could come on and talk about anything they wanted. Um, a lot yeah. of people mentioned Katrina's book. That was a very regular feature. Um, (laughs) 
and what people had for lunch. And that's what we talked about, basically. Well, that was cool. Just I reminding mean... any new viewers that the royalties from my book have been donated to an extraordinary charity, and that is why we shove it in your face so much. <laughs> I should say that. Yeah. People are like, my God, they're so full of it. I don't actually get money so, from it. <laughs> this, this is a kind of wrap up on that topic. I, I, I was both, you know, kind of a, a kind of guest. You kindly invited me on, and, and so did Debbie as well. Um, and I also kind of watched and, and joined in. What was the. What, what was the one kind of thing you really got from kind of working lunch or didn't you kind of enter into it at all with any kind of real agenda other than just to kind of get people, people together? I, Claire persuaded me to do it. I said, um, that, that's the bottom line. She said, should we, yeah, should we do it? And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I really like Claire. I'll say yes. Um, but it was the right thing to do. And I guess what I got yeah. out of it was um, some really good relationships. So there was a lot of people who I had no way of helping at that point in time, other than through this. So people who who wanted a platform to talk about something either for themselves or because they just wanted some kind of market exposure. Um, but building those relationships was really positive. Um, and then also actually um, getting to know people like Debbie better. I would never yeah. have managed that yeah. without something like working lunch. Um, and I guess, yeah, I love Debbie. And I guess I probably did get business off the back of it. So there were people who were seeing I was broadcasting every single day. Um, and some mm. people were like, shut the fuck up. And others were like, Do you know what? This is, this is somebody I want to work with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that's normal, isn't it? There's always a percentage of people that are like, just please, will you go away? And then you're not your future clients anyway. Just work with the people that love you. Yeah. yeah. So we we brought you back to the social recruiting show because two years ago um, you came on and we were talking about the lack of diversity in speaker panels. And actually we were only talking about gender diversity. Um, and then we decided at the end of that, Audrey, you and I, to create a group called Speaking for All, didn't we? Um, and it's a tiny little Facebook group, but it's great. It's a very supportive little network in there. And it's now unbelievably two years later. I don't know where the two years are gone. Um, but I thought it would be really cool to get you back on and chat about yeah, our favourite subject, which is there's too many mammals, um, but everything else that goes with that. As both of us having run events, and even with working lunch, even that involved having diversity, didn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you... How do you find it now if you were just to, do you feel that we have got more diversity in speaker lineups at recruitment events? I mean, the reason to me it matters is that we learn from those events. And I think that's the thing we sometimes forget. Do you see more diversity or? I think that some event organisers have either taken on board the feedback that we have kindly and subtly given them um, and um, or they've just recognised for themselves um, through some sort of osmosis that, that they do need to step up their game. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess I look at the ones in the HR and the recruitment space the most. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. And, yeah, I can, mm. I can see that some people do. And maybe some of them do it just because um, they feel embarrassed that they don't. Um, and maybe some of them do it because mm. genuinely they know it's the right thing. Um, so broadly speaking, I think things have improved. Um, I guess mm. my caveat to that would be twofold. Um, one is that because there's less events taking, well, no events taking place in real life, mm. I'm not seeing so many um, speaker lineups. That's the first thing. And the second thing yeah. is that... Um, 
I should have probably gone through the last six months worth of events and done some sort of analysis and I didn't. Um, so I guess I couldn't say with any, I know, unprofessional. Um, I couldn't No, say I'm with, saying no, you didn't um, need to do that for us, no. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't say with any certainty. Um, I just get yeah. a sense that things are slightly better. I guess I get less cross. I send you less private messages saying, yes. oh, look at this, it's disgusting. Yeah. And that is um, literally what happens. We will send each other pictures of like all white all male all middle-aged speaker panels to each other from other events mm -hmm. in our private mm -hmm. facebook and that's how we vent so mm -hmm. oh and order blessed little cotton socks has put the link so if you're on my facebook you'll see the link to come and join us in the facebook group please fill out the questions or i won't let you in just warning you um, <laughs> please there you go you've been warned because i won't i won't i want hr and recruiter speakers in there so mm. They, it's all relevant. So. With the with the move to to kind of a lot of online virtual events, Louise, do you do you think that offers organisers more of an opportunity to engage a more diverse speaker lineup? Yes, and that is something I very strongly feel is is actually even less excuse for not having a diverse lineup. Um, so Ooh. some of the barriers for speaking from a gender perspective and some of the barriers for speaking from other perspectives are, are broken down when you're speaking online. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are some accessibility issues if you have um, sight or hearing issues and you're online, I totally get that. But with physical mm -hmm. disabilities, in theory, you're removing some of those barriers. So you mm -hmm. ought to be able to, um, I mean, Katrina, you've gone to great lengths to make an event, an in real life event, accessible to someone mm -hmm. um, who was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, but not every organiser would be prepared to do that or have, I mean, it costs you money. Um, so It costs a lot <laughs> of money for a five-minute yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was absolutely worth it. It was the right thing to do Yeah, as well. Yeah. Which was... in, in an online environment, you don't have that barrier. Um, no. I mean, if we talk about later maybe some of the reasons why women don't put themselves forward to speak, um, some of the mm -hmm. stuff about being online can take that away. You know, yeah. broadly speaking, women are more likely to be the default parent and have um, the mm -hmm. childcare issue. So travelling to Sweden to do a four-hour presentation is possibly more difficult if you are the one who is more likely to be responsible for childcare in your home. Yeah. Blah, blah, other reasons. Um, and in an online event, you don't have to do that. You can be at your desk. So it should it should make it easier. Yeah, Glenn, you're right. Yeah. And it's it acts, you're able to access then a global audience, obviously kind of time zone dependent. But you are, I mean, it opens up a global, you know, kind of book of people that you could potentially look to invite, um, which should, you know, you know, if any organisers are perhaps finding it challenging for an in-person event and getting that diversity, now you've got the world well, <laughs> accessible. So would, uh, all I those diversity stats yeah. could be ticked if, if, you, if you're going down that route. If you are so inclined. Although yeah. I have to say that I think that it's possible in a in real life event if you mm -hmm. try to be diverse. And that's another thing I thought maybe we could talk about is the difference between your role as an organiser. Do you just put a um, a link saying sign up here if you want to speak or do you proactively source your speakers? And I think that that if you just say hands up if you want to talk um, and then you pick from that pool um, and maybe you haven't even advertised that in a diverse way, 
then you're mm, yeah. much less likely to get a diverse audience. I mean, you know, we're And you'll get the far more regular con confident speakers more inclined to go, yeah, yeah, pick me as well. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think on that, when it comes to, which is the bit that's always staggered me when I've looked at these all male, and again, we're only focused on gender, there's so many other forms of diversity, but, um, and we, I'm sure we'll talk about all of them, but right this second, that, that it's often a female event organiser who's putting on the all male panel, because if you don't ask women and encourage women and coach, coach women as well, they'll often just say no, because they don't. The little voice in the head saying no you can't stand on the stage whereas men will go yeah yeah sure much and so it's much easier to get the panel filled with yeah. the speakers you need um and the other thing about that is that if you allow people just to put their hand up and say yeah i'll give it a go then you're not necessarily mm. getting the best performance from them the person who um, mm -hmm. you've sought out and you've engaged with and you've asked mm. to speak and you've talked about why you want them to speak and you've explained everything else to them is going mm. to be a better speaker so from mm. an organizer yeah. perspective i actually think that um you know as i was going to say a minute ago we're recruiters we ought to be able to recruit people to our yeah. events um yeah. and i think that um Broadly speaking, you're probably going to get better speakers if you seek them out. Mm -hmm. um, well, so, what kind of um, what kind of reservations do you do you often kind of come up against of people that you're trying to seek out and and maybe first time speakers? What what do you come up against in terms of them being like, oh, I'm not entirely sure it's for me, or I don't feel you know perhaps confident or something along those lines. Okay, so I'll share a couple I've got, but I know Katrina will have some too. So, from doing your events, well, you must get this a lot. Yes. Um, so the sort of problems I have is um, people saying I'm not I'm not really the expert on that. Mm. The other thing I hear so many times, which is so sad, is I think my boss would be better suited to do this, mm. or I think my colleague would be better to suit to, to do this. And I'm going to tell you that in every single one of those cases, their boss or their colleague was a man. Um, so I get that a lot, mm -hmm. and, I yeah. and I have to say. I actually want you to speak. I've approached you. I'm not asking you for a recommendation. Mm. I would like to hear from you. And they will still say, well, you know, company policy is blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And I, so that's actually a bit frustrating. And I think that probably, broadly speaking, comes from a place of a lack of confidence mm -hmm. um, mm. for those two. I mean, what other issues have you had? The, the other, so on that as well, sometimes people are approached because of the company they work at. So okay. I just recently wanted to book someone because of it was her, specifically her. And then because the event organiser, because it was to be on a panel with me, was so focused on the company they were from, the company got wind of it and said, but you're not one of our vetted speakers. And it was so frustrating because I wanted her, the expert on the subject, not because she worked at that company. And that can also stop mm -hmm. you getting the better speaker, which can be quite frustrating. And um, there's some seriously good comments over here I just want to share. Hello, Mr. O'Donnell. It's like headhunting candidates. You need to flip them after approaching them so that they want it as much as they should. That sounds really wrong when I know that it's you saying that. Yeah. Um, Debbie, Easter Day. So I've known Stephen for years. Anyone watching for the first time going, excuse me, Um, Debbie, Easter Day, gorgeous woman. Imposter syndrome is a big reality for women. They doubt that they have the expertise that will be of interest all value to an audience. Can I just chip um, in on that actually, on Debbie's comment? Mm, so as an event mm. organizer, and actually it touches on Stephen's too, you mm. you know why you want them. You just have to articulate it. 
So, uh -huh. you know, I want you, I really to speak at this event and the immediate reaction is, oh, I'm not really the expert. And you say, well, actually, I've seen yeah. you wrote an article on LinkedIn about this. Or I know that you also did this in a previous role. So uh -huh. um, helping people to overcome that. It's just about yeah. putting effort in to finding your speakers. Um, and I yeah. don't doubt there are some um, event organisers who probably spend an hour on it sorting out their entire lineup. I don't doubt that. Yeah. They will put together an event with 15 sessions and it will be mm. the first 15 people they think of. I absolutely believe that to be the case. Yeah. Um, but that's not right. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a danger yeah. that um, you almost kind of get the same people on a, on a, on a kind of circuit. So I like a particular type topic, um, whether that be, I don't know, like something like a FinTech event, right. And different mm -hmm. FinTechs or events across Europe, you, you tend to see the same people time and again. And it's the challenge is how do you get new voices in on that platform? How do you get mm -hmm. new perspectives on that platform? Cause that's what keeps it fresh. If you're thinking of a, as an event organizer, surely you're, you must be thinking, what's going to be exciting and interesting to my audience? Or do I just want to give them something that they could probably go onto YouTube and see this person talking about anyway? So is so, there that, that kind of Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to ask um, Katrina something about that in a minute. But my immediate thought is, mm. what is the objective of your event? Because if, you're, if your mm. event is about making money, then you need to sell as many tickets as possible. Um, mm. And therefore, yes, you need some big names. If your mm. event is truly about getting um, new um, information out there and the most up-to-date information, and then you're much more focused on getting the best speakers, and it doesn't matter who they are, as long as they've got the right story to tell. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really big thing is that you know mm. especially right now for online events it's actually quite difficult to tell to sell tickets for that so i can mm. understand why you mm. might go for a couple of the the big names um, and often they are men i mean katrina you must get asked to speak at, you're like the christopher biggins of recruitment in a very complimentary manner <laughs> recruitment in hr everybody wants you at their party you know i have to say no that's that's Yes, they do. I have to say no. So I've got this really awkward thing that I, I spoke yesterday at the first virtual reality at HR Summit, which was so cool. Um, today I'm at HRTX and two weeks I'm at SourceCon. I'm speaking at a remote work. I have to start saying no because I have to go, whoa, that's just too much of me. Like I know I'm doing all different presentations, but most yeah. people just go, oh, God, I should just be rolling out and say, well, no, I don't. I'm actually not. <laughs> um, to the point I'm quite stressed about SourceCon one because uh, it's so new but it, it's it's it is a balancing act because I don't want everyone to go that's just enough and I'm, and I got asked to speak in an event and then I found out somebody who speaks way 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 too much and it's way too overexposed to speaking at it and actually put me off speaking as well so it even puts speakers off if they go oh god really yeah, um, yeah. So that yeah and I think but it takes I don't know, having a bit of balance to be able to actually go, do you know what? I don't think I'll be good for your event because you I've just I've just spoken it too many of late. I think you I don't are think pretty unique. speakers are prepared to do that. No, you're you're pretty unique in that. Oh, I'm definitely, definitely unique. <laughs> well yeah, that that too. So I um I guess I'd be careful about making Aww. generalizations, but I bet that it's more likely to be a woman who says, Let me analyze um, whatever events I'm talking at, let me think about whether mm. I'm right for you. The other thing is that mm. lots of people who speak, they need the exposure because that's how they make their money. They need to be speaking in mm. events. Yeah. Um I mean there was there, there was definitely a point in time where you couldn't go to an event where Bill Borman wasn't at. 
but you know he was he mm. was just the man of the moment and people mm. knew that he would bring a crowd and if bill was at your event or um mm. you know the chair of the rec why would you run a recruitment event mm. without that or someone from the mm. cipd mm. so mm. katrina with your own events you've obviously mm. got a lot of speakers at each event I mean, do you have some criteria well, I did. around that? Obviously, Disruptive HR hasn't permitted us to run the event online. So, mm. unfortunately, all my events have just gone out the window for the moment. So, for last year. heartbreaking. Well, yeah, no, it's awful. For previous. Mm. So, for last year, well, what it is did you do? The sponsors from my events donate directly to Hope for Justice. So, it's a double whammy of me not being able to launch new speakers and not being able to support the charity just because an event called Disrupt HR isn't permitting it to be online at the moment. And I'm under a licence mm -hmm. agreement. There's nothing I can do. No. So caught between a rock and a hard place. Sorry, so I don't know what the question was because I was just... Well, uh, to be fair, I love the way <laughs> Louise has spun this round. You can, you can tell that Louise is a seasoned interviewer because she's just absolutely spun that back and she started interviewing you, Katrina. So let's let's move the spotlight back, Louise, for a second. No, what was the yeah. question? No, no, let me ask no, it it was good. Go for it. So the question was, because um, I think this is how more event organisers should do it. So with Disrupt HR, I'm guessing you had some criteria that you said, this is the basis upon which someone can speak. And it was kind of, was it like a certain number of people who are new to the stage? And even if it wasn't formal, what was it? Oh, was it so much that? Or um, I certainly tried not to have speakers back. I split it in two. So for London, it was 14 sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, Benja just rolled over on my foot, not at all distracting. Um, it, it could be 16 speakers. I'd split it in two. So it would be actual practitioners versus someone like myself who is supplier consultant. Then I would take the sponsors out of that side because they would get a speaking spot. And then it was, right, do I have 50-50 male, female? Do I have diversity? Do I have neurodiversity? Do I have uh, anything else? Sexual diversity, um, whatever else could be. Like I would literally go through, I'm going completely blank on different forms of diversity, but I would sit there and it would feel awful because it would feel like a bit of a tick box exercise. But mm -hmm. I would know that that lineup was going to be of benefit to the audience. But I was always trying to launch new speakers because I just mm -hmm. think it's the best format. It's actually harder for an experienced speaker to do a five minute presentation than a brand new one. So that was always, that was also in the back of my mind. I, I just want more voices out there which is what we chatted about with speaking for all, all those two years Yeah, ago. yeah. Mm. And I think that if you're going to say that you want new voices, that's another reason why you can hopefully turn somebody who is less confident about speaking mm. Mm. because they're not going to be on stage with all these people who they've sat in the audience and watched. They're going to be mm. on stage with people like them and that's bound to make you more comfortable. Um, I mean, the other thing is you touched on it there is that your, your speaker should reflect the audience, shouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. So, you so know, in some industries, that's probably different. It probably isn't 50-50 male, female. Yeah. Well, you and I used to talk about that because you'd run events for recruitment and more recruitment agency in the tech side, and I was running them for more HR. So I'd had struggle to find men and you'd be struggling to find women. Yeah. And we'd be, yeah, throwing names at each other. That's very cool. Hmm. So um, I know you'll, you'll counter this because you should make the time, but if, if you don't have the time <laughs> to kind of headhunt um, new speakers directly. So for instance, you know, you're organizing a very, very large scale event. How would you suggest perhaps trying to encourage those new speakers to put their hands up? Because if, you know, I mean, this happens with all events, you know, sometimes you'll get an email like, do you want to speak at this event? Apply, you know, submit your your kind of, you know, your, your, your topics that you want to talk about. That's, that's pretty standard, right? But actually, 
is there another step further there that needs to happen to try and encourage people that were kind of on the fence or a little bit kind of like you say lacking in confidence to to um to make that application what would you perhaps suggest that they think about or do or try differently so one of the things you could think about is the format in which you want them to talk um so you know maybe it's um, more comfortable to be part of a panel the first time you speak rather mm. than you know if you could ask someone to be the opening keynote that's quite a big deal um mm. so if you're going to have breakout sessions so um you know if you ask somebody to host a, a round table with 15 people that's a chat you know you could sell mm. it at that um yeah. if you're going to ask somebody to be on a panel maybe that's actually a little bit easier um especially if what I've done in the past, and the Katrina has, is I've delegated the picking of the panel to the panel host. Um, so that's people they probably know. So actually, it's taking them. You don't even have to find them yourself, and you give them some criteria. So please don't make that all men. Um, so you could you could do that. So panels quite attractive. If there's somebody who you think you're going to just going to email a load of people, but you really want them to speak, um, think about um, offering them a Q and A session. So um, for the Jobgate conference, um, there was somebody who we wanted to speak. They had a really interesting story, but they were. So this is a conference which is delivered in English, but the speakers are European. So mm -hmm. I can't remember what nationality he was now, um, but he was not massively confident on presenting in English. So what mm. I said to him was, I'll interview you. I'll let you know ahead of time the questions, but we won't rehearse them. You can just think about the answers. And I'll do it as an interview. Um, mm. So that allowed somebody who had been unconfident about giving a formal presentation mm. to come mm. on stage. Um, and and two-handers as well. You know, you say to somebody, mm. I'd like you to speak um, with your colleague. And I've yeah. done that before as well. So it's yeah. different format, mm. isn't it? It kind of gives people yeah. an opportunity to experience um, an event and being part of it without being you know, kind of centre stage, which I think is a really nice way to approach it, you know, builds confidence. And that's yeah. that's kind of what you're looking to do. Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think that as an event organiser, you said if you haven't got the time, then what would you do? And I do appreciate that sometimes you don't have a lot of time to do these things, but I do think you have a responsibility. You're broadcasting. You might be broadcasting yeah. in real life rather than online, but you mm. are saying that I'm putting together something thought leadershipy. That's an expression which makes you want to vomit. But you are saying, <laughs> I'm going to share something with oh. you that you need to hear. Um, yeah. So make an effort. Mm. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that you mentioned, Glenn, that immediately made me go, um, being asked, like, would you like to speak? Could you submit your speaker idea? Well, sometimes that's a pain in the bottom. They, they literally want you to say what your actual title is and, and all of the everything everyone's going to get and you're like i haven't thought this through i don't have time so then the, the time passes. like you're literally like that's going to take me half an hour to write that out on a women mm. a prayer or wing in a prayer that i might get a speaking slot mm. and then you oh, i'll do that later do that later and then you don't so actually i think if you're trying to get someone to speak you need to go and speak to them but flipping it the other way as well it would be amazing and i know there are men that do this if they said no i'm not going to speak on this panel because you've already got four men we need some women for example and again i'm only still talking gender and there's plenty more um so you say yeah. that you know men who do this and we, it was talked about in the speaking for all group but i think that we only mm. had one man who actually said he'd ever done this you know lots of people who okay. said i know I one man who's done this yeah. and plenty who said they would and then don't 
Yeah, because that's what I think. I think that, you know, right now, if you're, if you're um, you know, who's got tons of business right now? Nobody. So if you're asked to speak at an event, yes, you might think, oh, God, they've asked me again. And it's like, you know, I'm always speaking at events. But I think you're also going to think it's not it's not my responsibility to ensure that the rest of the panel is diverse um mm. because when i look at those panels do you know what the next time i see that i'm going to email everybody on that panel and ask them when you realize everyone else on the panel was a man yeah. did you not think to say something to the host and i promise you i will do that mm. and we'll see what they come back with mm. because i wonder how many might okay. say interesting i felt a bit awkward but or any response yeah, at fair. all. Okay, you I'm getting absolutely know. blinded by this weird sunshine that's just appeared from nowhere. Um, I've actually had a uh, Louise on that where they were trying to tell me what my panel would be and I'm going to push back and go, but they're not experts on the subject. I don't want them on my panel to get the people I wanted as well, mm. which was, so yeah, interesting. I'm going to have to do something about that. Sorry. It's just so bizarre. I, I, the change a, of um, direction of the sun at this time of the year. I yeah. can't see I think um, it just slightly curveball, but as we're on the subject of events, with the, the fact that a lot of events now are online um, and are probably following a relatively similar format, um, do we see any trends or are you as event organizers thinking about different ways you if everything's going to go online you might sort of make it different more interactive you know i mean katrina's done her kind of uh, vr event etc do you think that's potentially um you know the, the the future of how events might look when headsets aren't ridiculously expensive yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea of the virtual reality event. Although it just makes me think of Second Life, which was what fifteen years ago. Um, I didn't know <laughs> much, did it? Um, no. So, but I think it was really quite amazing. So, because all of my head and my hand gestures and everything were all being shown, mm. and I, I honestly, well, other than the fact I had a Labrador who decided to start panting really loud at my feet through the whole thing. Mm. I was praying no one could hear it. I really felt like I was in the room and that Tanji was right next to me and I had an audience. It was really quite surreal. I guess I was also thinking of different ways that people, you know, new speakers might create, um, a, a, you know, a, a talk and deliver it in a way that might kind of allow them to be a little bit more confident, you know, that kind of you know, degree of separation in virtual reality. It's not yeah, as maybe. kind of... Yeah. You know, just just a thought, really. Um, I um, I think the difference was, and we talked about this before. When you've got the headset on, you can't see, so you can't have notes. So if you're a first time online presenter, you could have a few notes stuck on up on your computer screen to make sure you cover up the stuff you wanted. To. Yeah, it was it, honestly, I was a bit nervous, which I don't get nervous. There we go. Note to organisers, right? If you're thinking about VR events, mm. these are the sort of things you need to consider because that, yeah, because I mean, you know, first time speakers. It was even like, how will people... I know when the time's up? And yeah. and they're like, well, there's a clock down there. Oh, right. uh -huh. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. maybe that pursuit of kind of you know VR events might actually actually restrict the kind of diversity mm. and and new voices that you you're hoping to. It was to encourage. interesting when the the all the online events happened. There was the whole pre-record thing, and I know Louise and I have been having a little banter about that. And actually, we've agreed that pre-record isn't so great. From all three of us presenting, it's quite exhausting. I'm getting your energy mm -hmm. right now. So even if it's just you and you can see the comment channel while you're presenting your PowerPoint, at least you feel like 
there's someone there. It can be quite hard for people having to do a pre-record. I, I, I agree. Um, I totally agree with you. And I think that as a first-time presenter, you, you know, that, that kind of like be being hard. with people um, before you go on stage and having the organiser say to you, you've got this, you're mm. going to be fine and we're here and you're hearing your notes yeah. and you can mm. have a drink when you come off and all of that sort of stuff I think is really important. I also mm. think that when you mm. come off stage for the first time, you want some feedback. I mean, you want positive feedback, obviously, but you want the organisers yeah. to say, that was great. Did you see how they were all paying attention? That person was scribbling notes. That person was taking photos. Um, yeah. and you definitely don't get any of that online. Um, even with a live event, you don't get that online. Um, maybe a bit of banter in the green room beforehand, maybe a bit afterwards, but I know yeah. it's yeah. not the same. And I think that it's, yeah. um, it's the difference between a conversation and you just broadcasting out. Um, and I yeah. don't think so, that's as attractive. Helping um, one of the girls that's in my mastermind, and she was saying she was on take number 16 of putting together her presentation. And I'm just like, wow, wow. how many hours? Like I, I've been doing this for years. I can just do it in one take. But most people, 16, 17, 18, 19, who, who's actually thanking them for all of the hours and hours they're spending mm. doing that? So the event organiser thinks, well, it's better if I do a pre-record because it, it won't fall over on the day. But they're not thinking, well, actually, that just makes it so stressful for the speaker if they're a new speaker. Oh, it's horrible. <sighs> it's, it's horrible for an established yeah. speaker. You're absolutely right. I, I totally agree with you. It does put, um, yeah, it does put additional pressure. Oh, do you love the poo emoji? Because the other thing is that, you know, on a live performance now, if my dog starts barking, we'll laugh about it. On a pre-recorded, yeah. I'd have to re-record it. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, also the other thing about that is you need the thing about live or pre-recorded is you need the right technical setup. Cool. With an in real life yeah. event, all you have to do is rock up. The organizer normally Work helps camp. you to manage that. Um, but so uh, Jackie Clayton did her first um, live event last week and she was great. Exactly. They'd sent yeah. her the headset. They'd sent her an external mic to make sure it's fine. She still had internet problems. I can't imagine how stressful right. that was for her. As she, I mean, I was watching her willing it to work and she yeah. was superb. But she, it took about five minutes to get the internet connection stabilized. And during that time, she had to restart maybe three times. That is, yeah. oh, if, man. If, if that was a real life event, you'd have given them a hug. Honestly, buy an ethernet cable. I'm plugged in. I now plug in. I just turn off your Wi-Fi and plug in an Ethernet cable in. It, it, it really does take a lot of the stress out. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're well done her for persevering. I mean, Jackie is, she is, she's an incredibly resilient human being. Erin um, Peterson, who's watching over on YouTube, how cool is that? Because that means I can answer. Um, great discussion. Do we also expect that virtual reality events will help us connect globally? Many events are still regional, and I'm craving more actual global events. Yeah. yeah. Well, doesn't that put pressure on well, you as an event organiser? Because what, mm. what it's saying is that you do have to find a very diverse lineup of speakers. So you're mm. looking for people who are um, globally representing um, the industry mm. that you're in. The other slight challenge with that is the language in which you present. Mm. Oh, in time zones. Sorry, yeah, in time zones. So, you know, um, yeah. more and more from a diversity perspective, more and more events should mm -hmm. have the old ticker tape of, um, you know, the, the yeah. translator on the bottom. But what happens if you have someone, the, the world renowned expert in Russia speaking in Russian? Yeah. Mm. yeah. You need to translate that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And TA, I actually wish I know Erin uh, was at the um, Global TA Day. I'm saying it incorrectly again. For some reason, I have this mental bug. The one that ATAP put on anyway. Um, that was actually global. But of course, you had to, if you're in the US, get up at like three o'clock in the morning. So, and I didn't hear the end of it. So you, mm. you kind of got bits of it. So that, again, yes, you're correct. Time zone and language will still be barriers. Um, and I don't trust, you know, I'm now using Otter AI for captions and it's hilarious because of the pronunciation just in English and it's going, it's my Australian compared to English, English is it's quite hilarious what it spits out sometimes. You're like, is that what it thinks I just said? Okay. Um. That's horrible. If you're actually presenting and you can see it going on the bottom and it is misinterpreting all of your words and you are sounding like an absolute idiot yeah. and you're presenting for the very first time and maybe you yeah, don't have yeah. Queen's English, that's mm. very, very stressful. And that's a diversity issue. We don't all speak as perfectly yeah. as I do. Um, but then that's an excuse for a pre-record. So yes. if it was, we really do want to have this Russian expert pre-record, get it translated. Rev will translate Russian to English, for example, in captions, and then it's worth doing it that way. In that yeah. case, maybe do it as an interview, though, as you said. Yeah. So as as uh, an experienced event organizer, Louise. There may be, and I'm thinking about the kind of advice you You're might so give people. bringing it back to you, and we're making it about us. <laughs> yeah, um, I love Glenn. I just, I just kind of think, you know, that there may be a number of people, businesses, independent businesses, thinking right. Online actually gives me an opportunity to launch an event. Um, may not have the budget or facilities to to be able to do that kind of in person. What kind of advice would you give them in terms of their thinking about preparing that? that online, that that first event? Because obviously you set the foundation, the template then, don't you, for perhaps future events and the way you're going to approach it. So I was just curious as to what, what advice you might you might give that individual or well, individuals. You've hit, you've hit the nail on the head there, which is that the first event provides a template. So you set your stall out. What? How do I want to be perceived? Um, who Who is my, what is my message? What is my ethos? Who is my audience? I need to represent all of those things. Um, and this is a terrible thing to say, but you know, you could engage somebody to help you organize that event. Um, if you don't think you've got enough time to find the right speakers. This is very good, by the way. I've got her direct dial if you need it. <laughs> but you could, couldn't you? You could, I mean, that that's i ended up that's what job g8 have done haven't they they encourage you to go and find that unicorn female speaker in recruitment tech yeah and you found them yeah yeah and i think that oh um, sorry recruitment job boards yeah so that was but that's great you know they could have said we will save that money and we will find the speakers ourselves because what we'll do is we'll just email all the job boards that we know and we'll say who wants to speak and they Mm -hmm. could have done that and they would have put on a perfectly okay event but I think that if you want to have a really really good event it's about your speakers I mean it's about your Mm -hmm. messaging it's about your platform it's about everything else but Mm -hmm. it is about those speakers um and it is just like recruitment is that um you know I I wouldn't pitch myself as somebody who could find um, speakers for a pharmaceutical conference but I bet I could because Mm. it is just like Mm. recruitment so I think that that's that's part of it is you don't have to employ someone to do that but you do have to think about it like a recruitment campaign how do Mm. I get these best people on stage Uh, for Jobgate I spoke to 80 people last year I had 80 conversations Mm. wow I ended up with 30 speakers so actually that's she was looking for a unicorn though weren't she I was, I was, the big old horn. Oh, yeah. oh no, that's not the yeah. right thing to say. 
<laughs> Is that like a Stephen O'Donnell kind of comment? <laughs> we don't hey, any horns. Just while we're out there, just while we've talked about um, the other way, we've talked about speakers saying, actually, have my boss. Could I just say, could we be a bit more like Simon Halkyard and actually get your team yes. to speak as part of the development? Because he is mm. very good and he's done it for me when I was going to run it up north, disrupt up north. And he's gone, actually, no, I'm not going to speak. And actually, isn't it next week that he, his colleague's on? No, that was Greg McHale. But the, I have one in my team. Yes. Don't have me. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. And, so, and actually, we have to do that with the show, and you'll have done it with your show, just with the shows. I go through and I'm like, oh, God, we've just had a run of, you know, all of this, whether it's all yeah. female or male, and I'm balancing it out again. And Yeah. Actually, that's another good so. point, is that what we're not looking for, I mean, I, I love what you do with your um, events, Katrina, and you try to get each of them being nicely, um, you know, spread out in terms of the, the type of people mm. on stage. Um, what mm. I did for um, some events I did last year was I said, I'm going to take the year as a whole and over the whole of the year. And the reason wow. I felt mm. I could do that is because I can't imagine anybody would have the balls to say to me, you don't have enough women on stage or you don't care about yeah. diversity. So I felt confident enough to be mm. able to say that. Um, and then yeah. I did my end of year conference and there was 70% women and well, you've been in that situation, Katrina, and people will say, mm. well, there's not many men represented. And I said, there's mm. been plenty of men speaking at events this year. I'm not unduly mm. concerned. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And the, and Actually, the years before got, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got picked on by, by my York event. I mean, York is like 98% white, completely. And I had five women and five men speaking and then a female pulled out. So it was only nine speakers. And of course, it was out of balance. And someone in the US like having a real dig at me and I'm going, maybe you should know the demographic of York. And then I went through and just said, oh, by the way, go and have a look at my events and talk to this person who'll back up like all my other. So yeah, I agree with you. Not yeah. too bothered. Not too and bothered. I think, and I think that is a little bit frustrating, I think, because if someone is going to try to pull you up on something, um, especially mm. when mm. I think there are far worse events out there and I choose to keep my yeah. mouth shut, I would never, I could now name you three event organisers in our space who I think are still pretty shonky. I'm not going to name yeah. them because that would be really unprofessional. Um, mm. But two of them I have spoken to. So tell you later, though, if you bribe her with alcohol. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you straight away. Um, <laughs> so, um, but two of them I have messaged directly and said, oh, Katrina, mm. you You've done this. Two of them have messaged yeah, and said, "Ever speaking at their event." <laughs> well, yeah, I don't need to worry about that. So I messaged two of them and said, um, "I've seen your lineup mm. for the 14th. If you're struggling to get women who know about this topic, let me know. There are tons out there." Um, mm. yeah. And no both of them, no, no, both of them actually did come back to me, but neither of them changed their lineup. But you know, hopefully, going mm. forward, they would. They would recognise that mm. my point yeah. was right. Um, and that's no, but in all seriousness, one of those people that we did do that, and I offered to help the same way you did. Someone from their company approached me to speak, and then and then they went, "Oh, sorry, no, no, you can't speak." <laughs> I'm just like seriously. Oh my god, yeah, funny. But anyway, moving on. Because they don't want um, to hear it, do they? They don't want no. to hear it. But it is no. true that diversity is is really really important in every aspect yeah. of life. Mm. And if yeah. you can't even get male female diversity mm. in 2020 yeah. correct on a stage, then you're not trying at all. Yeah. I think uh, certainly and, as an event organizer, surely a reasonable amount of challenge from people peers within the industry is 
you know, you'd accept a healthy challenge, wouldn't you? Surely, you know, if that's the space that you're operating in and these people go. are, you know, kind of, uh, you know, peers within that kind of event organisation space and specifically that industry sector, some healthy feedback, I'd, 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 surely you'd like to think people would welcome it, right? Louise has muted herself. I don't quite know why. I'm going to tell you exactly why, because next door are having their fireplace cleaned whilst I'm on this show. <laughs> Once every I mean, 24 don't months. No. Yes, who has their fireplace cleaned? Jeez. That sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? Very important. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> Otherwise, the fireplace can go up. Like, seriously, it can. Yeah, it's actually very important. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um, yes, no, I, I think you're right. I think it is ego. I think that it is entirely ego, which means that you think you were right and you don't want to be called on it. Yeah. Fair play. And she's just muted herself now. <laughs> well, no. I, 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 we can't even hear it, Louise. We cannot hear it. Okay, I'll let it go. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I completely get it because we've got the builders like, like either side and sometimes they're literally at the back and at the front drilling and you're just going, um, I have to go to live video chat. Great. But it's fun because it's working from home. Um, we're completely out of time and I have no idea. Well, like, Glenn, ask the final question so I can go and look up on next week because I'm having a blank. Well, th there wasn't really a final question. I just think it's been... Yeah, it's been I, th I, think it's, I think it's really been enjoyable to, to kind of listen to Louise and yourself and just kind of, you know, sharing that that feedback. Because I think there's going to be a lot of fledgling, you know, event organisations popping up because of the, the kind of virtual nature of events now. And I think if they listen to this and they, they can take some real positive from it, uh, we can look forward to, as, as Cos Aaron said, you know, some really diverse global events, which will be great for the for the industry sector or just thinking purely mm. about our recruitment and HR. So, yeah, I think it's fair. I think that um, there's something to be said for having people who have tons of experience and have spoken at loads of events. Um, it actually also helps people who are new to those events. If they're in a mm. real life environment, you can learn from those mm. people. But don't be lazy. Look outside of those easy to find people. Look for people mm. who do hit some sort of diversity target. It's not difficult. Mm. And if you need help, I mean, honestly, join our join our um, Facebook group. And ask us. You can message me. You cannot possibly not find me on LinkedIn. Send me an email yeah. and say, I need a speaker at this event on this topic and I can only find men. Just say that to me and I'll help you find someone. Yeah. And I've had hundreds of speakers over the years, so I would guarantee I'd know somebody. Yeah. So as well. Ask us. That's what it's all about. It Louise Trance, you are fabulous. Now, next week, now that I have gone and gone to this the cheat sheet, we have Clive Smart, who is the one dropping yeah, in. Cool I'm not confused at all. Yes, he's cool talking about the pros and cons of direct delivery. That should just wind a few people was... up, no doubt. Look forward yeah. to that. Um, we will be on, on Thursday because we're staying on Thursdays at 3 o'clock next week. It is very confusing, mm. it has to be said, mm. uh, to Nam Easton. Um, thank you. Thank you again Thanks, for, online, for keeping us going for another week. Thank you, Louise, for being amazing. Of course, you're a pro at all of this. And thank you for all of the comments and questions. Um, it actually really does add to the show. So we're very grateful you watch live and add your comments. Mm. We shall see you all next week at exactly the same time. Bye, everyone.